Pastor Xavier Reese describes the life-changing example of Enoch. Something dramatic happened in this man's life. It changed his life forever. He walked with God. The word walk means to move. The word speaks of a life of godliness also. There was a decision that was made. There was a critical point in time, a watershed. Just like in your life and mine, there came a point where you heard the gospel and you made a decision. Are you going to keep on walking and living the way you're living and walking? Or are you going to turn to God and depend upon Him to change your life? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Getting from one place to another, whether you walk or drive, begins first with the simple decision on what your destination is. Deciding where you're headed for your life's journey may narrow down to one simple but very important decision as well. Today, Pastor Xavier uses the life of Enoch as an illustration for what a walk with God is meant to be. Now let's begin with the text for today's simple truth. Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. The message is entitled, The First Man to Escape Death, Enoch. He robbed the grave from physical death. And so we want to examine three truths about this man's life that we might see what God has to say about him. And the sermon's going to be a little different than my usual. I'm going to take my text here in Genesis for the first truth, but then we're going to look in the New Testament for the next two truths, okay? So, here's the three truths. First of all, Genesis 5, 18 through 24, the man Enoch walked with God. This is the revelation. He walked with God. That's the truth. Second, we'll look at the ministry of Enoch was that of a prophet. That's the interpretation. And we're going to look to the Epistle of Jude, there's only one chapter, verse 14 through 16. And then we're going to finish off with the message of Enoch was that he lived a life of faith. That's the application. Hebrews 11, 5, and 6. So you have revelation, interpretation, application, and that's all I ever do when I minister to you. Those three things. Let's begin here. Let me read Genesis 5, 18 through 24. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. And after he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. The man Enoch walked with God. This is the revelation. Notice first that Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared means descent. Jared was 162 years, verse 18 tells us, when he begot Enoch. Jared lived 800 more years and then begot other sons and daughters. So the genealogies that you find in chapter 5, they are not complete in and of themselves. But they're the prominent figures. We don't know how much time is included in here because we don't have them all. But nevertheless, the emphasis is that they died and that there were other children, as he says right here, sons and daughters. Now, quite a generational gap there. I'm sure that it isn't that big a gap because, you know, just take common sense. 
today, if you get married at 25 and men live up to 70, 62, 3 score and 10, the Bible says, men, uh, ladies are, God's more merciful, 80, 90, ladies, you last longer. But if a man lives to be 70, gets married at 25, uh, he could have 12, 15 kids easily, no problem. By the time the first kid's 18, he starts having kids, and then it's like bunnies. It's just exponentially, you know what I mean? <laughs> it just goes, 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 goes. Now, what do you think if you live to 800, 900 years? <laughs> you get the idea. Jared is the sixth from Adam. He lived 962 years, listen, and then he died, verse 20. Now, Jared's son, Enoch, should not be confused with Enoch, the son of Cain, whose name was given to a city in chapter 4, verse 17. This is the godly line. The Cain line will have similar names. Don't confuse them, okay? This is the godly line. Adam through Seth. Now, notice verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. The name Methuselah means man of the dark. But many have interpreted his name to mean when he dies, judgment will come. Methuselah was assigned to the world that when he died, judgment was coming. Whenever Methuselah got a cold or got sick, people got freaked out. Methuselah died, if you do the math, the day the flood came. Right on time. God always leaves himself a witness. God never brings judgment without telling the people. Never. Now, the man Methuselah was that sign to the world of judgment to come. Even at this point, the world was so corrupt, judgment was already coming. It could not be averted. The man Methuselah was the grandfather of Noah. He's the grandfather of Noah, who God would use to escape the judgment through his children and their wives and begin the world all over again. The man Methuselah is the longest living man, as opposed to his father Enoch, who never died. Two extremes, father and son. Now, look at verse 22 and 23. Enoch repented and got saved after Methuselah's birth. Enoch walked with God for 300 years after he begot Methuselah. Something dramatic happened in this man's life. It changed his life forever. The word walk means to traverse or to move. It speaks of having a direction in life and moving uh, towards a destination. When you're walking, you're, you know where you're going. You're not just meandering. Walking speaks of moving forward. He walked with God. The word speaks of a life of godliness also. In fact, in Genesis 6, 9, it says Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. There was no ongoing fellowship with the world any longer. But the fellowship was with God. There was a decision that was made. There was a critical point in time, a watershed. Just like in your life and mine, there came a point where you heard the gospel and you made a decision. Are you going to keep on walking and living the way you're living and walking? Or are you going to turn to God and depend upon him to change your life? You made that decision. Your decision does not affect anybody directly. It will indirectly, but not directly. Only affects you regarding eternity. It's a personal choice. Notice still in verse 22 that Enoch begot sons and daughters during those 300 years. So the number of sons are not given, nor the daughters, but the number of people, again, they exponentially multiply. Uh, the earth was filled with people. In verse 23, Enoch lived a total of 
365 years, a relatively short span in comparison to the catalog of chapter 5. But a full life with God, a life with purpose, there's a difference. Some people just want to make sure they live as long as they can, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a full life. Many lives are wasted. They're lived for the wrong reason. There's no, nothing but self behind it. We've already seen the line of Cain that began to build buildings and music and this and that and industry and point everything to the glory of man away from God instead of everything being for the glory of God, the direction of God. Now look at verse 24. Enoch was removed from the earth then. The process of his life is declared for the second time. Don't miss it. He walked with God, giving emphasis to the practice. Whenever the Bible says something once, mark it. When it says it twice, pay real close attention to it. It's emphatic. He walked with God. Listen, he never looked back. He was in the world for 65 years, and he never looked back. His name, Enoch, means dedicated, which he lived up to. He chose to walk away from the course of the world and to turn to the living God. He chose to believe God rather than the ensnarements of the world's deceptions of that day. He chose to believe that a full life with God was better than a long life without God. He chose to believe that after his life, there is a judgment. Many people don't believe that. Many people believe, well, I'll just, you know, fizzle out and that's it. No, I wish that was it. That isn't it. It's real basic. And you must communicate this to people. They have eternal life. All they can do is choose where they're going to spend it. You live after death. Where you live, you get to choose. Whether you live apart from God now or you walk with God. That will determine through the person of Jesus Christ. He chose to give a consistent example of a godly life by the power of God rather than to give a bad example for people to mock God. That should speak loudly to you and I as Christians on how we live and what we do so that people have a proper representation of who God is because they look at us. Now, notice the privilege of his life was that he was not found on the earth one day. Enoch was on the earth walking with God one day at a time. One day at a time. You know what hinders too many people, especially in America? We don't take one day at a time. All the technology, all that we have, all the investment, everything else, it's good. It's, it's beneficial. I mean, we're the greatest country. But it's come to a point where it's, a, it's really a, a bigger burden because we can't enjoy life one day at a time. People are so wound up tight. There are people in third countries that live a day at a time. They have nothing. They live long, 80, 90 years. They don't die of arteriosclerosis. They don't die of different things. They, one day at a time. As a Christian, you can do that. One day at a time. You can live with the peace that passes all understanding. You have access to God for those difficult times. Enoch one day was walking with God as usual, and he kept on walking into the presence of God. That's great. <laughs> but the same thing will happen with you and I. You walk out of here, you're in your car, you go down the street, and you think you're going home, and boom, you get hit, and you're before the Lord. But you're walking with God. One day you keep on walking, boom, you're before him. But if you don't know him, then you're eternally separated. 
Enoch is the first man to escape death due to being in fellowship with God. Notice the proclamation of God was that God took him. God made known that he took him. He didn't want this to become legend <laughs> or a myth. Yeah, dumb Enoch, you know, he used to take long walks by himself. He probably fell in a hole and he's out there somewhere, you know. But we'll, we'll, we'll say some good stuff about him. No, God says, I took him. God created Enoch in his image after his likeness. And being a descendant of Adam, he was now in a fallen state. As chapter 5, verse 3 says, in Adam's likeness, sin nature. But God made provisions for that fallen nature to be redeemed as he repented and walked with God. He already made the principle in chapter 3, verse 21, where he killed a little animal and the blood covered the sin of Adam and Eve and clothed their nakedness. In chapter 4, verse 7, he told Cain, why is that countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, sin lies at the door like a ravenous beast ready to leap upon you. God was saying, repent. There's a way for you to get right. But it's your choice. Enoch took that choice. And so God was the redeemer of his spirit, soul, and body. Having acknowledged his sin nature and his sinfulness and his sin against God after the likeness of Adam and having repented, he walked with God. That's the only way we can walk with God. Too many people think, well, I'm moral, I'm ethical. That's good enough, I'm religious. No, 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 listen, you must be born again. That will not do. It's not a matter of being moral or ethical. It's a matter of being born again of acknowledging your own sin nature, your own rebellion against your creator, and asking him to forgive you and to change your life, to give you a new heart. In a sermon on Enoch Walk with God, Dr. Campbell Morgan gave the following illustration. I like to use it. He said, a little girl gave the most exquisite explanation of walking with God. She went home from Sunday school, and her mother said, tell me what uh, you learned at school. She said, don't you know, Mother, one day they went for an extra long walk and they walked on and on until God said to Enoch, you know, you're a long way from home. Uh, you'd better come and stay with me. And he went. <laughs> That's about it. And you and I walk with God and whatever length he has, you know, one day you'll just appear before him. What a privilege. Death does not hold us any longer. To walk with God means and implies many different things. Let me just give you a few. To walk with God at its most basic understanding is to be reconciled with God in a relationship. That means that you're right with God, he's right with you. Amos the prophet uh, puts in a very succinct way in a rhetorical question, can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3. 3. The answer is obvious, no. So until I agree with God, what he says about me, sin, and redemption I cannot be one with him. And if I cannot be one with him, I cannot walk with him. Because he's holy, I'm sinful. Real basic. Agreeing with God. But to walk with God also is to be in fellowship with God, having access to the benefits of God. Listen to 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship, koinonia, with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have an advocate for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. We keep our accounts short. We ask him forgiveness. We stay in fellowship. We stay walking with him. Very important. To walk with God is to be in a process of growth and development in that relationship with God. It's not static. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, See that you walk circumspectly, 
very careful, very uh, prudent. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Time is the only thing you cannot get back. You lose a house, you can try to get another one. You lose a car, you get another one. But time is gone. Today, you will never get back again. It's gone. And God will open certain opportunities for you and myself, for people to share the gospel that will never, ever come back again. God will direct and guide my life in certain things that he wants me to do that may not come back again. The day is evil. I have to redeem the time both in the direction for my life and the opportunity to share the gospel with others. Because the day is evil. To walk with God is to live a life of obedience to God as a manner of life. Walk as children of the light, Ephesians 5.8. We're children of the light. We used to be children of the darkness. We're to walk in the light. And to walk with God is to have direction and destination regarding the kingdom. Jesus put it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. The problem is too many people in the church are still seeking the things rather than the kingdom. Nothing wrong with things. Absolutely nothing wrong with them. But they come under the kingdom. I don't want anything that God doesn't want for me. You understand? I used to live a life of go get them. And I got what I wanted. And when I wanted it, I got it. And I found in the 31 years that I've been walking with God, the best thing for my life is what he has for my life. And so I have had to learn to rest in God and to trust his wisdom. And sure enough, as time runs, he confirms it every time. Every time. The revelation about the man Enoch was that he walked with God. That's the revelation. In the midst of a corrupt generation, it is possible. That's what he's telling us. No excuses. Now notice, secondly, we have to go to Jude, and that's right before the book of Revelation, little epistle, one chapter. The ministry of Enoch was a prophet. This is the second truth. Verse 14 to 16 says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. And so notice first Enoch was a prophet of God. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. The seventh from Adam distinguished from Cain's son, Enoch, in Genesis 4.17. Don't confuse him again. The prophet of God was the mouthpiece of God, as you know, as we studied the Old Testament and the New. He revealed the mind and the will of God. He rebuked and called people to repentance, Sinners. Many people think that a prophet's primary function was to speak future things. It is not. The primary function of a prophet was to be the mouthpiece of God to reveal the will and the mind of God to a sinful people to return. Then at times, God would give revelatory visions or dreams or straight revelations of future events. But that was the exception. That was not the rule. The rule was he was God's representative. Very important. Now, the prophet of God was not popular in a sinful world. 
as it never has been in all ages. He stands out. People don't want to hear. The world at this point was only 787 years in existence if there are no gaps in the Genesis record here, chapter 5, if we add up the genealogies. And that's when Enoch began to walk with God and the birth of Methuselah came. The godly line is evident. Seth, Enoch, Lamech, Noah, they walk with God. Later on, Noah, 6, 9, he walked with God. Abraham, 71, walk before me perfect. They walk with God. This is the godly line. The generation was corrupt. That's why judgment was coming. The general condition of the world in those 10 generations from Adam to Noah was only 1,656 years of man's existence. And this is a statement of God. And the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually or all the day, every day, Genesis 6, 5. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord as he walked with God, Genesis 6, 8. If you're going to start teaching the doctrine of grace, don't go to the New Testament. Start in Genesis, chapter 6, verse 8. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. The grace of God begins with Genesis. I've told you that the first 11 chapters of Genesis, all the doctrines that are taught after Genesis, they're all here. Everything. Now, notice verse 14 at the end and 15. Enoch prophesied about the Lord's second coming for judgment, being the seventh from Adam. It prophesied about the men also, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all those who are ungodly among them and all their ungodly deeds and they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. If Jude had not qualified his judgment about the second coming of Christ, we would have interpreted this judgment to mean the antediluvial judgment that destroyed the entire world except for Noah and his wife and his sons and, daughter, and, and, and daughter-in-laws. But he identifies the judgment here you have Enoch, the seventh from Adam, and he prophesied about the second coming. <laughs> the second coming of Jesus Christ in judgment. The first judgment had not fallen yet. He's prophesying about the second judgment to come. Jude here tells us that Jesus is coming with 10,000 of his saints, his bride, at the second coming with a purpose, to execute judgment on all those who are on the earth at his return at the end of the great tribulation. We just finished the book of Revelation. It should be fresh in your mind. The word convict, all who are ungodly, means to convince or to prove to be wrong. You see, there are many people today who are not convinced they are wrong. They are not convinced they are sinners. They are not convinced that God has a right to judge them. The number of people that will be unpersuaded before the judgment of Jesus Christ at the white throne judgment will be none <laughs> they will be persuaded once and for all they will know a bit late but they will be persuaded they will be convinced of their ungodliness their ungodly deeds committed ungodly ways harsh things they have spoken there is nothing hidden from him all creatures are open 
and naked before his eyes to whom he was given account. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, no one escapes. He sees and he hears everything. Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our time together by pointing out that God's fair warning of the coming judgment spans the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And today's message, The First Man to Escape Death, Enoch, is available on CD for just $4. And having your own copy makes a convenient way to share with others what you've learned from the study. So once again, the message is titled, The First Man to Escape Death, Enoch. Contact us today if we can provide you with one. Here's how to reach us. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. You wouldn't think much of a carpenter who didn't build, or a teacher who wouldn't teach. In the same way, why be a believer who doesn't share the truth? Join us next time as Pastor Xavier Reese shares more simple truths from the life of Enoch. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com